Our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. Welcome to Strength to Strength, sisters. Today, we're so glad to have all of you join us. The vision of Strength to Strength, sisters, is to encourage women to be catalysts in advancing the kingdom through biblical teaching, testimonies of faithful women, and thought-provoking discussions. My name is Linnell Martin, and I'm coming to you all from State College, Pennsylvania, where our family lives and works with the followers of Jesus Congregation here. And we have a cafe in downtown State College next to Penn State, where we like to interact with people from all around the world. Our talk today is on intentional Bible study, reflect, learn, and steward. And our speaker is Irene Bontrager, and she's an older single woman living in the small town of Guys Mills, Pennsylvania. She worked at Faith Builders Educational Program as a mentor and librarian for 17 years. During those years, she broadened her understanding of her relationship with God and others, as well as continued her education in counseling. She's been mentoring and coaching for the last 25 years. Currently, she spends her weeks doing online and in-person mentoring and coaching, and her primary focus is helping women to build meaningful relationships with God and others. She loves to work outside, building meaningful relationships, and puttering around her house and small property. And it's been, I've enjoyed getting to know Irene personally, and I know that she has a heart for this subject, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing what she has to say, and I know it's something that I need as well. So just a couple announcements before I pray for her and she starts her talk. One is that this talk is for sisters only, and so thank you for honoring that. We also love if you turn your videos on because it's really encouraging for the speakers if you all show your faces, and I know that's not possible for everybody, and that's okay. Um, there will be recordings available on YouTube and on our uh, website, as well as on the podcast platforms, but you will not be recorded unless you are speaking. We will have a Q&A following the talk where you can ask Irene questions that come to your mind. And if you do ask a question, we do ask that you turn your video on if possible for that. All right, Irene, let's pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for this time that we can come together and seek your face. Thank you for giving us your word. And we know that your written word leads us to the inner word, Jesus, and shows us how to live and how you have um, designed the world to operate. And, and so we want to learn more about how to study your word and how that helps us to grow individually and as communities. And so I pray for Irene today, pray that you would bless her with clarity and with wisdom and knowing what you would have her to share, give her um, calmness and peace, and just pray that this talk would be a blessing to for you and for your kingdom. We love you and we want to serve you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Irene.
All right. Good afternoon. Uh, I just want to thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon. You know, it takes intentionality to carve out space on Saturday afternoon to grow your uh, Bible study methods. And it means a lot to me that you are joining uh, me this afternoon. I have not learned a lot about uh, strength to strength uh, women. I, I knew there was a strength to strength on men, but I didn't realize that there was one on women until I was asked to speak. And so I've had a lot of fun listening to um, these talks uh, often on uh, as I had time. And I wasn't quite sure about it because I've never done talking one-on-one uh, -on -one. Uh, online like this. I've done some on like in person, but not like this. And so I just wasn't quite sure what to do. All right. So just to uh, let you know, I did not grow up with uh, studying the Bible. I read the Bible, but I didn't actually study it until I went to Deeper Life Ministries. I worked there for five years as a ladies counselor. And so when I began to do more in-depth in studying, I didn't think about the overarching theme I just thought the book, the Bible is just a book of random stories. And I thought, you know, I knew Daniel, I knew Joseph, I knew Bible stories like that. And I enjoyed reading the New Testament. But what I didn't know what to do with is I didn't know what to do with books like Leviticus, Numbers, Judges, 1 and 2 Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and many of the prophet books. Because to me, it felt like these books were full of murders. They were so full of the law. And I couldn't understand why God had to put all of that stuff in. And it just felt like there was just a lot of ruthless living. And it made no sense to me that God would tell the Israelites to murder people. And then Jesus came along in the New Testament. And he would say, love your enemies, do good to them. And I just, I, I just really struggled with it. And then when I was at Deeper Life, I worked with John Koblenz and he was a very good Bible teacher and he just began teaching me and uh, that was really a good thing. And so I owe a lot of what I know today to him. And then also when I went to Faith Builders as a student. So when I went to Faith Builders as a student, what they did is they gave me Bible study uh, methods to uh, how to study the Bible and also how to teach Sunday school lessons. And I was so grateful for that because I taught a lot of Bible, a uh, lot of Sunday school. And so today, what I want to do is I want to pass on to you some of the things that I learned um, when I was at Faith Builders, and then I had also went on and did continuing education. And so that's some of the things I want to pass on to you. Now, uh, the book that I used uh, for my primary source today was this one right here. It's Women, to, Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. And so many of my headings, toppings are straight from her book. And so if you buy the book and you say, whoa, uh, she talked about that. It's because I used a lot of her headings because they were actually um, so well done. And then I used other books and also a couple of websites. And so I will have a reference section at the bottom when we get done that you can have, uh, that you can see those. 
All right. So the Bible verse that I want to use today is all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And I really believe that. I really believe that the Bible is just that. Um, so I believe that the Bible, that Bible study methods is a skill. It is a skill that anybody can learn. And as, and as we move through the, the topic, the skill that we want to learn is why should we study the Bible? Why is it so important? So one of the ways that we, uh, one skill that we want to develop and one of the reasons that we develop, uh, study the Bible is to reflect God's love. So the first skill of reflecting God's love that we want to develop is to grow your knowledge of God. God's love grows out of understanding who I am. So in Exodus 3, um, God was in a burning bush that spoke to Moses. Have you ever wondered what that would have been like if you would have been out in the wilderness and all at once you were just tending sheep, you were minding your own business, and this bush began burning, but it never burned down. Like, would, like what would that be like? Like, what would we do with that today? I've often wondered that. And then not on top of that, the bush didn't burn, but then there came a voice that said, Moses, go to the elders of Israel and tell them that God has seen their afflictions and he's going to deliver them from slavery. Moses said, who should I, who Shall I say sent me? God said, I am who I am. Then God also said, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So in this passage, when we think about I am who I am, the Bible is totally full of God and who he is. And all at once, when Moses realized that God was sending him back to the Israelites, he said, who am I that I should go? Like he was really fearful. And he was, he was afraid. I, I don't know for sure, but like that probably he didn't actually, people wouldn't believe that he actually had a legitimate encounter with the Lord. And, you know, God did not tell Moses that, hey, Moses, you're so powerful. You're so wonderful. You're so beautiful. Go tell these people. He didn't do that. But what God did is he kept telling Moses about his power. He kept telling Moses about who he is, who the I am is. And so as you walk through the account in Exodus 3 and 4, you can really see how um, God was telling Moses who he is. And, you know, so God performed a miracle in the burning bush. And then Moses said, well, show me more miracles. Like the people won't believe me. And so Moses, uh, God said, Moses, what do you have in your hands? And he said, a staff. And God said, throw it on the ground. And he threw his uh, rod on the ground 
and it became a serpent. Like, what would we do if that would happen to us today? And, um, and then Moses was again afraid, and he ran from it. And then the Lord said, and he also told Moses, he said, put your hand in your cloak. And, well, he, he, he told him to uh, take his hand out and catch it, and then he did, and then it became a staff again. And then he told Moses to put his hand um, into his cloak, and then it was leper, it became all leprous. And then he said, take it out, put it in, and then it was all healed again. And so Moses needed that assurance that God was with him. I believe that Moses truly had a legitimate and he had a real conversation with God. And he, you know, he, God said, Tell people I am Yahweh, the God who created the earth, the Yahweh who made the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, we read. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God had not forgotten his people and his promise. And he tells Moses that he has a plan to deliver them. So this is the kind of thing that we learn about God. When we go to his word, it grows our understanding of who this I am is. Um, so reading like just these, um, you know, passages in Genesis 12 and Exodus 3, it just tells us so much about God. And so one thing that I, I just wanted to, uh, you to think about is if I focus on who I am and what I'm able to do, like if, if I was just thinking about this topic today and I would just be thinking, I'm scared, I can't do it. I don't even know if I could have done it, but I kept thinking about who God is and that he gives us strength, he gives us courage. And so that's actually what helped me be calm. Well, not exactly calm. I was actually pretty nervous when before the topic here and I probably still feel, I don't know if you can sense that or not, but I still feel a little nervous here because I can see you but um, it feels like I'm just sitting in my own little space, you know, and so it just makes me a little nervous here. But so we go to the Bible to learn about God and his heart to bless his people. God is a blessing God. And so we go, uh, we learn about him so that we can be a Christian who blesses people. All right, so the second skill of reflecting God's love is let the mind transform the heart. We do not want to neglect our heart, but we also do not want to neglect our mind because the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And this is a direct quote out of the uh, book Wil uh, Wilkin what she wrote, and I just thought it was really good, and it was something that I had not really thought of before, 
And so she says, also says this, the mind alone does not transform the heart, but the path to transformation runs from the mind to the heart and not the other way. And so in the scripture, we know like that, that the heart, it, our heart describes our will and our feelings, which is our emotion. And in our me, me culture, we tend to get it mixed up. It is easy to, you know, to begin reading the Bible and then ask the question, who am I? What is God's will for me? I, I get that question all the time. What is God's will for me? Because I believe that we are people who want to live right. We want to do right. And we want to know who we are because we want to live for God. Romans 12 um, two to three tells us, do not be conformed to the to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So these verses tell us to renew our mind and not our hearts. Yes, us. And so we want to renew our minds so that we can know the great I am. Our mind is often fearful. And I believe that when we live in fear, it is incredibly hard to believe that God is good. I hear all the time. I even say it. God is not good. When I'm living in fear or I've gone through something very difficult, it is very easy to believe that he is not good. And, you know, there are very many bad things that happen to good people, and it is very easy to believe that God is not good. Therefore, we do want to love God with our emotions. Because this is what enable our emotions enables us to live, to experience pleasure, to experience peace, and to experience joy. So we don't want to neglect our heart, our emotions, but we also do not want to neglect our mind because the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. The mind alone does not transform the heart, but the path to transformation runs from the mind to the heart and not the other way around. That was really insightful for me. I had just never quite thought of it in that way. And so that was really hard, uh, really good for me to think about it. And the final skill of reflect uh, God's love is meditate on his word. Studying is not the same as meditating, but it keeps her mind engaged as we grow and broaden our knowledge of God. All right, so meditating should be we sit there and we think and we, you know, we're meditating on this certain aspect of God. I do not understand why that is so hard for me, but it is incredibly difficult for me. And I, my mind wonders, I'm, I'm more of a doing person than I am a being person. 
And, um, and I, and I really believe it is good that we meditate on his word. Like I, 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 I believe that. And, and I encourage many people to do it, but for whatever reason, it is very difficult for me. Uh, My mind tends to wonder and, you know, I just want to concentrate on God and I just can't. So one th- one way I finally made peace with this is that I came to to say that studying, learning, and and searching the scripture is a form of meditation. I love to study. I love to stay engaged. And if I'm reading the so I am doing that if I'm reading the word, and I I've just come to believe that studying is a form of meditation and it keeps me in the word and it keeps my mind engaged. So I I, I think that uh, we do need to understand how we personally function and how we can stay engaged, how we can stay attuned to God so we can come to see that God is loving, is a loving and a blessing God. He wants to empower us to be all that we can be. The more I understand God and his heart for me, the better I can lean into my calling and trust God when life is difficult and and sticky. And also the better I understand God, the better I understand who I am. Like I always thought, I, I always separated who I am and who God is as separate. But um, I'm beginning to see that if I know who God is and I'm following his way and I feel the calling on my life, then I, I am beginning to understand better who I am. So in, uh, in a way to finish up this section is I believe a way to reflect God's love is to grow your knowledge of God. God told Moses about the I am. And um, we read the Bible, discover how God worked with people and their responses to God's pursuit of them. We love God with our heart, but our mind needs to guide the heart and not the other way around. And then we meditate on the word to help us learn about the big story of the Bible, understanding the meta narrative or the overarching theme of the Bible will help us will orient us to understand all the little stories in the Bible. Understanding God's heart toward his people can develop the skill. So we're developing a skill when we study the Bible, the skill of reflecting God's love to the people around us. So the second skill that we want to develop is learn Bible study tools. So this is a more practical part of it. And um, what I've done is I love the book of Ruth and it's a very short book. And so I chose the, this book for, uh, to show you how I, how I go about um, developing, studying the Bible, a certain book. And so if I want to do a personal Bible study, I follow these tools that, uh, that I'm gonna show you next. And then I'm also gonna show you how I study for Sunday school because a lot of people have been asking me for that. And so I thought this would be maybe a great platform for do that, to do that. All right, so, um, so the first thing I do is read the text. So I read the book 
of Ruth in one setting. Now, if it's a larger book that I'm planning to study, you know, I just break it down into two, four, uh, two to four portions, but it's a very rapid read. Like you just want to read it quickly and get the feel of the book. And, um, and then if you're not so familiar with the book, read it again, go slower. And then after that, I would encourage you to begin your study. So the second Bible study tool is study the text. So break it into manageable study portions. Most scholars break the book of Ruth into seven to eight sections. Um, for this study, I just broke it down into seven sections. And so I will briefly tell you how I did that. So the first section I took is Ruth one and then verses one through five. And what that is, it gives the story of Amalek moving his family to Moab, to Moab because of the famine. And, you know, moving there was very costly because of death and removing God's covenant from the home. Naomi's husband and two, two sons die within 10 year period. She is a childless widow living in a foreign land. And this is not good for a woman. The second section uh, for a woman in that, uh, not for any woman, but particularly in that day is what I'm talking about. The second section is Ruth 1 and then verses 6 through 27, uh, 22. And in these verses, it shows that Naomi made the decision to return to Bethlehem. She knew the danger and she needed to travel 50 miles. And uh, she starts out with her two daughter-in-laws and, and herself. And Naomi knew life would likely be hard for the three widow women living in Bethlehem, but she still chose to return to her roots, to her people. And both Rachel and Ruth start out with Naomi, but before going too far, Naomi, she just urges both daughters to go back to their people and I would love to expound more on that, but I just can't. Like, I, I, uh, there's just too, I, I don't have enough time. And then Rachel, she goes back, but Ruth clings to Naomi and she remains loyal to her and to a living God. So Ruth left her family to make a life with a destitute widow who was bitter with the way God had in interacted with her family. The third section is Ruth 2 uh, verses 1 through 23. And then this, this uh, chapter reviews how Boaz accepted Ruth as a worker in his field. It highlights the generosity of Boaz and the hardworking attitude of Ruth. Both Boaz and Ruth seek to serve God and to show love and concern. To, do, to those in their care. The fourth section is Ruth 3, 1 to 18, and it tells how Naomi and Ruth seek marriage with Boaz. I always just think it's crazy what they do. It's, uh, yeah, I could say a lot more about that, but Ruth could have sought a younger man, but she chose to marry a man of integrity who was also a part of Naomi's family line. And so Boaz, he was Naomi's redeemer, and Naomi knew this. But and and 
Boaz was really, um, you know, flattered with uh, Ruth, but she didn't let, he didn't let that have the last say. He was a man of integrity. And so when we think about the, the, in the days of the judges, it, the people did what was right in their own eyes. But what we want to remember is, is when it's telling us how people were, there was still a segment of people that were living for the Lord and they were doing right. There is always a segment of people living for the Lord and doing right. We just want to remember that it's it's been like that through all history. And so Boaz, he was a man, like he he did what was right and he knew scripture. And he said, uh, there is a redeemer that is closer to your family line than he is. And he and he really did what was right, even though I have a sneaking suspicion that he really loved Ruth. The fifth section is uh, four, one through 12. And this describes how Boaz then uses wisdom and he was uses a lot of craft to redeem Ruth for his wife. He went to the city gate and he uh, and then pretty soon the redeemer that was closer to Naomi than he was came along. So he gathered 10 elders of the town and he presented his case to them and he said, you can have this land. And of course, this man wanted them one of the land but when he was told that he had to marry Ruth he said um maybe not I don't think I can marry Ruth because if I did that would jeopardize his own marriage and so he said you can have her and so um Boaz he he buys a parcel of land and he marries Ruth and everybody in the community was happy and that the decision was made for Boaz to marry Ruth. And then in the sixth chapter uh, section is four, uh, chapter four, 13 through 17. And then this shows how God honors Boaz and Ruth with a son. And his name was Obed and he became the grandfather of David. And then, you know, Nancy, uh, Naomi's bitterness turns to joy as she comes a grandmother and has a redeemer for her family line. And Ruth, a Moabite woman, is recognized as a godly woman despite not being born as a Jew. And then the seventh section is the last verses of 14 is 1822. And this points out how Ruth and Boaz's son become an ancestor in the line of Judah leading to the king of David. And then this supports David as being in the family line of Judah. And then we know that David was an ancestor to Jesus. And so um, it's really amazing how Amalek went to this country. And then um, God brought Naomi back and he, Boaz had eyes to see Ruth. And Ruth was very kind. And even though Amalek's choice maybe not has been the best at the beginning, the, the line that Jesus, that God wanted Jesus to come from came. It happened. And that's how God, he works. When men don't do what he wants, he works 
many ways to try to redeem. He pursues people. He brings about situation so that his plan can be carried out. Um, so the third uh, Bible study tool that we want to talk about is who wrote it. The author is unknown. Many commentator, uh, commentaries say that uh, Samuel wrote Ruth. Others say this is unlikely since David's kinship was an establishment at the time of the writing. And uh, we all know that Samuel had died before David became king, so it's just not really possible that he was um, the writer. But we do know that God inspired a particular author, whoever that was, to write the, to write the history and story of Amalek and how Naomi and Ruth responded to a very difficult situation. God gave the unknown author full authority to write the book of Ruth. And so all of the authors of the books were given authority and were inspired by God himself. The fourth Bible study tool is when was it written? The, main, the, the mention of David in 4.1 and his genealogy in 4.18-22 places a writing after David was on the throne, which was in 2 Samuel 2, which is sometime after 1010 BC. Um, let me see where I'm at with time. Um, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just that's I'm just gonna leave it at that and then um, we'll go on from there. The fifth Bible study tool is to whom was it written? It was written to the Jewish people, giving them a powerful relational account, and it connected David with his ancestors. This reflects God's plan and God's love and divine plan to his people. The book of Ruth provides two benefits to, to that audience. First, it was a powerful relational account. And second, it was a the, theological narrative connecting David with his ancestors in a manner reflecting God's love and divine plan to God. The audience was very familiar with David, yet likely lacked the background of his family line beyond his father, Jesse. So the initial audience of Ruth were faithful Israelite and individuals who were consider, um, considering converting to Judaism. And it was also written to help us understand and know God better. Um, and this is a book that I think is really key that God had a heart for both Jews and Gentiles. Ruth was welcome and God was her savior. The sixth Bible study tool is what is the genre? It was primarily a histor historical account unfolding another aspect of Yahweh's sovereign covenant work in history. And um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And then the seventh Bible study tool is now what? So pull everything together by repetitively reading the text for comprehension, interpretation, and application. So what I did is I um, 
printed out the first chapter of Ruth and I marked it all up like this. And so what that did is it gave me way, like I circled some things. Those are all different colors, but it doesn't really show up well. And then I, I made some question marks and it really helped me get a hold of the text. And so I read it and reread it when I printed that out. And um, so that is a way that we can comprehend when we just read it, like read the text until you comprehend what it is saying. Then read it for uh, interpretation. What does the text mean? Work first to understand the text before jumping to your Bible study Bibles or commentary. It's very easy for me to do that. And so one of the things that I think we should work really hard at is we should do something like this so that um, it gives us a better understanding of the text, like do as much of your own work as you can and then use commentaries. I used a lot of, I used commentaries and study Bibles for this too. Um, I like to use the ESV study Bible because um, it's done by quite a lot of people and I trust it. And, uh, but there's many other good sources available. And so what I encourage you to do is just ask your pastors, trusted Sunday school teachers, people that you know well, like just ask them what, what, what are good study guides to help you. And then read for application. And then how should the text change me? And the better you know God and his plan for more of the man, the more a text can change you. Ruth showed loyalty to Naomi and to God, and the way this text has changed me is to be more loyal to God, my closest fam, friends, and my family. I was convicted to be more loyal and kind to those around me. Um, and so the, we also want to talk about a Sunday school lesson, and so um, here is the Sunday school uh, outline that I use. So I guess if you wanna see it, um, you can go back and watch it, but that's the whole outline. And so now what I wanna do is go and flush through the entire thing. And so what I do, first of all, is I just do the, the date and the book of Ruth, and then I write down uh, purposes for the lesson. So uh, I wrote down a couple of things there and uh, things that I wanna, my objective for teaching that Sunday school lesson. So every Sunday school lesson that I have taught since 2004, I use this lesson plan always for every lesson Sunday school class that I've ever taught. And, um, and I just really like it. So um, one of the things that I'd like to do is if I can, I like to have a hook and a hook is just, something to stimulate people's thinking before you jump into the lesson. And so um, how do I plan to begin? The hook is how do I plan to begin? Um, and so one question that I might ask to begin is, do you think it was a right choice for Amalek and his family to move to Moab? Why or why not? 
And um, that is a like we're all confronted with choices every day. And so it's something that somebody can identify with choices. So you want to do something that's fairly familiar that people can actually uh, have a frame of reference for. Or maybe the second, maybe another question I could ask, if you were in Nilni's situation, you had lost your husband and only two sons, only children in the last 10 years, how do you imagine you would respond? Because everybody understands uh, losses and tragedies in their life as primarily, and they can uh, probably identify with, with Naomi. And so what, what a hook is, it's simply a way to draw you into the lesson. And um, you don't have to do one. I don't do one every time either. Like sometimes I don't get any responses to my questions and I just go on. Sometimes I might get one response and then I move on. Other times I get so many responses that I need to shut it down because I always want to be able to teach the rest of my lesson because I worked hard to develop it. I want to teach it. And, um, and so what I do is I try to spend no more, no more than five minutes on the hook. So the third thing that I do to, um, is to, to do an introduction. So what are the inter uh, interesting facts that the class should know. So I just wrote down a couple of these. Uh, there was a famine in the land of Judah, the man was Amalek from Bethlehem, who was a well-respected, influential man. This is an ordinary people, villagers, uh, immigrants, married people, widows, and orphans. And uh, married people, uh, and then the Israelites, they were discouraged from marrying someone from Moab because of their commitments to other gods. The two sons married two Moabite women, Amalek, and both sons died. They lived there about 10 years. Then Naomi heard that there was food in Bethlehem, so she decided to return home. Naomi and Ruth traveled 50 miles of rugged and steep terrain back to Bethlehem, likely a seven to 10 day uh, trip on foot. So those are just some of the things. Um, and I just simply go through and read them off. And I spend quite a lot of time on this because if I understand the background of something, I feel more confident teaching the rest of the lesson. Then, And so probably I spend about half of my um, uh, lesson plan, understanding the background of, of what is happening. The fourth thing I do is work on the last, on the questions that I want to um, ask the questions. And so this is how I, I do. It's called, look, what uh, questions do I plan to uh, ask? And so one of the questions that I might ask is, why do you think Naomi encouraged Ruth and and Rachel returned to Moab and to their gods. So what I do then is I answer all my own questions because if you can't answer your questions, then nobody else will either. And, um, and, and that way, another thing is you ask a question and maybe somebody will sort of get you off track 
then you have these answers and you can go back and say, well, maybe another way could be this way. So maybe a way that, you know, you could answer these questions is they have been very kind to her. She did not want them to suffer the same hardship she was suffering. Maybe she was afraid that her people would treat them as unkindly. In those days, immediate family and land were important for women. Uh, well, not just for women, for, for the people. And uh, but if if the if a woman didn't have that, they were um, very destitute and their life wasn't very good. And she likely was afraid they would be widowed for life since the Israelites were discouraged from marrying a Moabite. And Naomi did not know if God would provide food for them. So if you develop two to four good questions and then answer them, you will feel more confident to lead a class discussion. Sometimes I only use the first question because, because of the things that the that the class shares. And then I think of other questions that, that I could ask. And so I ask those. And sometimes I use all my questions and I'm so grateful that I took the time to answer the questions as sometimes, you know, there's just times when the class sort of goes off course and I'm not quite sure where I'm at and it helps me stay on track and not lose track of what I had planned. Now, I wanna say something. If you follow this lesson plan and the first 10 to 20 sort of flop or you feel very discouraged, just keep working at it. Believe me, when I first started it, I felt discouraged so many times because my questions flopped. The people didn't respond the way I thought they should. Sometimes I didn't understand the background and then I didn't understand how to move things forward. But because I've done this for so many years, I've learned things, I've learned more of the Bible. And so all of that is helpful in leading the discussion. But I, I just want to encourage you, like, don't be afraid to teach, uh, to teach Sunday school because we need teachers. We need women teachers, particularly if your church does them. I know not all churches do. That's totally fine. But um, I think uh, to gain confidence, it's just trying it over and over and over. That's what I did. The fifth thing I do um, it, um, for a Sunday school lesson is work on the application. So maybe the application could look something like this. Ruth showed unconditional love to Naomi. The word love is not mentioned in the book of Ruth, but her love for Naomi is a choice Ruth made. Her love for Naomi was an action. It was unconditional and she followed through. We can make similar kind of choices. Everyone can do that. There are people that we need to show commitment and unconditional love to. It is easy to make a ball of commitment and then break it when it is inconvenient to follow through. God loves us. God wants us to honor our commitments and vows, even if our circumstances or emotions change. And then the sixth thing I do is work on closing the text and the closing comment could be something like this. 
The overarching meta-narrative of the Bible is about creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. This story is how God created Amalek, his wife Naomi, and two sons. Amalek was the direct descendant of Judah. They encountered a famine in Bethlehem. They chose to escape the famine and moved to Moab. After living there for about 10 years, the family encountered tragedy. Naomi buried her three men. God moved Naomi's heart to move back to Bethlehem. Ruth loved Naomi and was willing to move back with her. This family did not necessarily make the best choice to move to Moab, but God redeemed and restored their bad choice. This book is about ordinary people who show how, who show how God creates people who will sin, who is very able and willing to redeem and restore bad choices. It is always a good choice to turn to a blessing God. All right, so the final section that I want to work at is the um, the Bible, uh, the skill that we want to develop is steward God's word. And so the first skill that we want to steward is study with purpose. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible tells us about the reign and rule of God. The Bible is, is about God telling us who he is. He is the I am. The books of the Bible tell us the big story. So the big story is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Studying with purpose helps us see how God fits together the 66 books of the Bible. And in these books are many smaller stories about his work with man and his created world. And in Genesis 1 and 2 helps us understand that God created the world and man to his glory. He created man in his image. This is the creation story. The fall is introduced in Genesis 3, where men tried to upsert God's authority. And then this is when redemption is introduced in Genesis 3.15 with, with the promise of salvation coming through Eve. And then the rest of Genesis and Exodus, they tell us about God's work of redemption through Abraham and his descendants. There were many failures. There were many breaches. In relationship in relationships with God's people, this did not discourage God. He kept pursuing them. So let's be Bible study students who study with purpose. God made it possible for all of us people to know God. We have the privilege of the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the gospels to tell us about Jesus. We have the pistols to tell us how to live in the spirit and God's intentions for the church life. There is so much richness in the Bible to learn. Study with perspective. God worked hard to make holy people out of his people. He walked with Abraham and made a covenant with him. He walked with Moses to show his people how to be holy. He drove out nations so his people could remain holy and fearful to him. They, but they kept turning to idolatry. People are fallen. We are fallen. We strive to, to live right, but we often fail. 
And this is why we want to make sure that we learn about redemption and restoration. You know, um, I just want to talk very briefly here. At times, it is very difficult to read the Old Testament because of the sinfulness of the people, the murders, the just things that just are not really good. But in all of the books, God is pursuing his people, his holiness, and what God is actually after. The reason he wanted to drive out all those people is because he wanted his people to be holy. That's why he went to such great length in Leviticus to write down the law to give them so that they would know how to live. And um, God's in all of the book, it's always about God's holiness and our fallenness and how he pursues us and how he wants us to turn to him and how he wants to make us holy people that would worship him, that are able to live in joy and peace and love with ourselves, with those around us. So again, I do not go to the Bible to find out who I am. I read scripture to discover God's heart for people who sin and want to live right. God is kind, he's generous, and he's always, always pursuing his people. The third skill that we want to steward is study with patience. Bible study is a skill that anyone can develop. It takes time and discipline. It takes patience for our brain and heart to learn about the historical and cultural context and to, and to understand another era and ways of living life. Patience is the key. I was very frustrated when I began this study. I didn't know where to begin. I had to make something out of nothing. And so I had the book, but even that, I can't just use a book and talk out of the book. I had to develop something that was me. And so it took, it took time for me to, again, learn the book of Ruth. It took time to understand the historical uh, background. It takes time and it can be really, really frustrating, but stay in it. And one of these days, uh, it will begin to make sense. Gaining Bible literacy requires a cumulative effect across weeks, months, and years so that the inner relation of one part of the scripture to another reveals itself slowly and gracefully. Just so that you know, I'm 64 years old. I began studying the Bible in depth when I was 40. That's 20 years, and I just wish I would have been learning it since I was 20, because if I did, I would even understand other things that I don't understand today. And one of the things I do know, we can never exhaust the word of God. Um, and the Bible aims to shape the way we think, like it shapes us, it makes us into a people who love him, who can love him. And the final skill that we want to steward is study with prayer. 
God can direct our thoughts to additional Bible verses and stories. He convict us of something that needs to be changed. He can encourage us to keep following him. As I prayed about this topic, I was reminded about two books. And the one book is Her Name is Woman by, it's G-I-N-E, so I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, Jen or Jine or something, Carson is one I use a lot of and it looks like and it looks like this I use it a lot it has just some very it's an older book but it's something I I just she has some really good things to say this book had a chapter on each of these three women Naomi Orpha and Ruth and I was able to learn more about the cultural background and insight into their life and she wrote Perhaps Naomi realized that her family's departure from Bethlehem had, in fact, been a journey away from Bethlehem and away from God. In Bethlehem, she and Amalek had been prominent citizens. And in Moab, they were not prominent citizens, they were foreigners. This helped me reflect deeper what can happen when we walk away from hardships. God will be with us in difficulty. And I think with God, as we know him, we can stay in the difficulty. And then 20 years ago, I went through a book study, uh, the Book of Ruth by uh, Dee Breston. And this is also a very old book. And this had, um, you know, like study questions. And so I was like writing a lot of things. And uh, one thing that I wrote in there was obedience and freedom go together as do disobedience and slavery. And it was so much fun to dig out that book and see what I had written in the comments. And I just really enjoyed it. Um, so I just want to say to you, I dreaded this talk because I'd never done an online talk. It was scary to prepare something about Bible study because many people have gone to school to learn how to study the Bible. And I decided I'm not going to let that intimidate me, but I will do what I can. I am grateful for that push. I needed to do the study because I had slacked off in the from doing a deep dive into his word in the last year or maybe it's two years already. And so this is a push that I really needed and I want to keep doing. Um, so I just want to say in conclusion, we all have seasons when it is difficult to do intentional Bible study. God is merciful and gracious in those seasons. If you're in that seasons, you have a lot of little people with you. It's impossible maybe, but it's okay. We have seasons. God God is going to be with you. There are seasons of being busy with many responsibility. And in those seasons, God can supply our needs and protect us in these seasons. However, when we can, I encourage us to roll up our sleeves and dig into the word of God. He will reveal himself more fully to us. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed and we will. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. And these are the references um, 
I think I'm just going to buzz through there. But um, hopefully um, you can always go back and watch it later and just fast forward if you don't want to listen to my whole talk. And then you can just, you can get that. Um, so let's keep reading the word because all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Thank you so much for that, Irene. There was many good nuggets in there. And thank you for taking us through the, the steps for it. And not only just giving us the steps, but also doing a Bible study with us with on the Book of Ruth. So thank you for that. Um, so Irene, if you could just uh, stop your screen share, then that will put the speakers back into the right positions. Thank you for that. So we're going to open it up now for a time of Q&A so that you can ask questions and let's dig into this a little bit deeper. Um, you can ask your question yourself. You can unmute yourself, turn your video on and ask your question, or you can also submit it through the chat button as well. So um, Irene, maybe to start us off, I had a question. You talked about the need to love with the heart and with the mind, both, and as two different entities, if you will. So how do you do that practically? Like, what's the practical way that if someone is struggling to love with their emotions, that they can grow that side? And then what's the practical way, if they're struggling with doubts in their mind, what's a practical way you can grow that? That's a very good question. Um... So if somebody is doubting, which I talk with a lot of ladies that doubt, and um, but then those people are often also afraid to read the scripture. And so one thing that I have found very helpful is our hearts are, they are, so for those people, those people are more in tune to, the, to what they're, um, heart is telling them. So they need more truth with their mind. And so if they if they're afraid to read the Bible or if they don't know what to do with it, I suggest that they study the Bible with somebody that they can that they trust so that they can get a hold of who this God is. That's what I do with my clients. And um but let's say somebody doesn't needs to develop their heart. Um, that's a whole nother subject that I, uh, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Like we do want to be in tune with our heart because out of our heart, we will experience, you know, we'll be able to experience joy, peace, love. And so if you're not able to enjoy peace, you know, joy, love, um, it's often not something that just that you're able to figure out on your own. Now, maybe you are. It was just something I wasn't able to figure out. And so as I've had opportunity, I would have a mentor 
And I would just be very honest about those things. Sometimes, you know, we're so ashamed that we can't feel deeply. Well, I wasn't able to feel deeply. And so I've had to have people show me, teach me to say what is stuck that I'm not able to do that. So that would be one thing. And it doesn't have to be a professor, you know, believe me. There was many people that just were very good with their emotions that were able to teach me well. And sometimes I just needed to be open to also being, seeing the reflections, like listening to how people did things and how they thought and felt, you know, and, and, and that was helpful for me too. Thank you for that. Uh -huh. There's a question that came in here on the chat, and it says, for my own personal Bible study, I love to do word searches in English, Hebrew, and Greek, seeing how the words are used and their context. Most times, this links the New Testament with the Old Testament. Do you do this? Wouldn't personal Bible study prepare us for teaching other women? And then she says, I use an app made by Hagios Tech. It's wonderful. I personally don't do that because I I just I have a hard time with words to begin with. And so for me is I do most of mine through like um cross-referencing. Um I do a lot of it like uh, just simply reading, rereading, and just trying to become very familiar with it. Now, there are times I do go back to, you know, the original word or some of the things, I, I, I'm just going to be really straight honest with you. There was times when I just didn't know. And I, I worked at Faith Builders who people were very good with that. And I would just go say, explain to me. And then they would be so happy to teach me anything I ask. And so maybe I got lazy in that. And so, no, I, I haven't done much of that. It's just because it that is very, very hard work for me. But I, I think it's a great tool. Like, I love, like, last time when Janelle Glick, when she wrote, like, she she had, like, the Greek and, and she was explaining the words. Like, that's a true teacher for her. That's being a true teacher. And so... You have to understand who you are and what you function. Like the people that can do that, my hat's off to you. Like you are very, that's very helpful for people like me. That's not so good at it. So no, that's a great question. Thank you. And then her second question is, wouldn't personal Bible study prepare us for teaching other women? And what have you found on that? Very, very much so. Like in my work with the counseling, like I, I am just more and more aware that I cannot do well unless I'm always in the word and learning. And um, I can live for a while with the things I learn, but it has to always be fresh. So I'm always in the word. I just don't always study it in depth. Thank you for that. Okay, uh -huh. 
Any questions from any of you for Irene? Thank you, Irene, for sharing all this. I really appreciate the thing that you said about uh, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know, what uh, Linnell mentioned also. But I, you mentioned also that meditation is a very uh, important thing to do. Do you have some uh, tools for that or tips? Because it's, for me, it's also a hard thing. <laughs> Um, like when I worked at Faith Builders uh, with our uh, uh, in mentoring, it was something that we really did a lot of. And so what we often did, if it was hard for, for somebody, we would often do it like in a group. And so that was helpful. Like, I don't understand why I could do it in a group and why I couldn't do it by myself. That's, I've never understood that. So, you know, if it's something that's hard for you, you might want to try like just doing that in a group and saying, we're going to sit here in silence for five minutes and think about it. And then we'll come back together again. And we're going to talk about whatever it is that you were decided to meditate on. Um, so that could be very good. I've done that already and, uh, and just found that very helpful. Um, if, you know, if you're, uh, that's another thing, like I wanted to say, like, if, if you're struggling to even have daily Bible reading, like, don't be ashamed of that. Like, it's fine. Like pair up with people, be accountable to them. Like for the last 17 years, I've been accountable because that's what we did in mentoring. And every week we had to get together and say, did you read what you promised to do this past week? And there was no way as their leader that I was going to come and say, no, I didn't get it done. And so that motivated me. And so I've been thinking about what in the world am I going to do because I'm no longer there. And I just got done with the mentoring group. So I'm actually, so far it hasn't been troubling for me like it's easy for me to just have daily devotional time but maybe like to dig in the word I have a feeling that for in-depth bible study I'm going to have to maybe do it with some other people that will want to do the same thing so accountability partnering with people uh, can be very good so that might not, might be a way to to do something. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you for that. Another question that came in on the chat is, I really appreciate your shout out to women with littles. There are certainly seasons that are easier than others to fit in intentional Bible study. My question is regarding the order of the Bible to study. Where would a brand new beginner start? Going straight through is intimidating. Also, any suggestions for Bible study with young ones, like four years old? Um, you need to ask for the young ones uh, where to start. Um, like there are some really good 
child. Like I have one that I just really love that I read to children. That's very easy to understand, but I can't think what it is right now. Um, so, but, but under like, try to try to, you know, read Bible stories to them, uh, explain to them. Uh, so, but I, I don't, I, I don't have much, but all my work is, is with adult people. And, um, and so I'm not quite sure on that. Uh, what was the first part of the question? Where would you start for a beginner? Okay, so we've had a couple of those. I work with a couple of those at Faith Builder. So what we generally tell them to do is start in the gospels and become very familiar with it. And, um, those like if if you okay so like for me I I didn't grow up studying the Bible I grew up Amish, and even though we have a lot of good things going for us, understanding the big storyline was just very difficult for me, and so I was very grateful for a good teacher. And when I think about some of the questions that I asked. John, when I first went to Deeper Life, I shake my head and I'm just thinking, what in the world was he thinking uh, that I didn't know? But he was just always so patient. And so find somebody that is going that you're going to be totally fine with asking any questions because that's what I did. I was always a very outspoken person. And if I wanted to know something, I just ask it and see at that point, I didn't know what I didn't know. I would just ask it because it was brand new. And so, but it needs to be with somebody that's not going to laugh at you, but that has a heart for teaching new beginners, the, the Bible. Um, so I really encourage you to find somebody that you can, you can begin asking your questions. Uh, begin using like a good study Bible that can be helpful. And then if there are things you just don't understand, like ask. There are many Christians that know many, many things. So ask people that know these things. You don't have to figure it all out yourself. That's what a community is about. We become, we don't want to feel dumb. We don't want to feel stupid. And we are not dumb or stupid when we ask the simplest questions that we don't know, because you can't know something you don't know. And so it's just, it's, it's, I would just say, you know, ask someone, but, but begin reading in the gospel. And then uh, Genesis, like the book of Genesis is a really good book. Uh, because that has many of the first beginnings, and I just love the book of Genesis. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will just, I'll share my screen here. Uh, the Bible Project is also a very good place oh. to start. This one has a lot of, like, it, it takes each book of the Bible and explains it and and shows it and it's it's done very well it also you can follow themes through the bible and words as well so i just wanted to show you that one there 
Okay. I actually, go I ahead, actually use that. I use that a lot. Like when I, you can, uh, that really helps give overarching, they, the Bible project really does well give the overarching theme uh, of the Bible. And they have a Bible reading plan that I'm actually going through this year and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and they start out with the books and they've done a lot of good. They've done a lot of good work. Okay, any more? There is a quote that someone sent in here on the chat that says, a person who asks a question is a fool for a minute, but the person who does not ask is a fool for life. <laughs> that is well said, very well said. Okay, thank you for all of that. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Irene, for bringing that to us. Um, one of the things that stood out to me that I just want to leave with all of you is the idea of stewarding God's word. God's word is a gift to us. And so that means that we have a responsibility with it. And she gave us four different ways that we can do that. Studying with purpose, studying with perspective, studying with patience, and studying with prayer. So how can we take those today, take those ideas and um, yeah, put them to practice and let it make us into students of the word and better stewards of the word. And while we're thinking about being stewards, that brings us to our talk for next month. Next month is going to happen on August 5th at the same time, three o'clock. And the title is Intentional Finance, Using Our Resources for the Kingdom. And Lord willing, I'll be bringing that talk then. So if there's anything that uh, is on your mind that you would like to discuss or talk about or, or hear more about, I'd love to hear from you. You can message me either off of the WhatsApp group or off of the Telegram group. And yeah, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and you can be praying for me as I prepare for that as well. So the talk today will be recorded and will come out on those platforms as well as YouTube and our website and you can go back and listen to it or share it as well. So Irene, I'm just going to ask you to pray here in just a minute. Um, mm -hmm. But thank you so much for the work that you put into it and for the inspiration that you've left with us. So mm -hmm. yeah, okay, go ahead. You can pray. Father, God, we thank you that you are the great I am. Thank you that you have, you're always pursuing us. Father, you know that we are fallen people and that we will sin. It's not if we will sin, it's we will sin. And Father, uh, we know that 
you are very merciful, you are very kind, you are very gracious, loving. And Father, you've called us to steward your word. You want us to live um, and be women who know the word, who um, understand the word, and who are able to share the word. And Father, we live in times that we really do need to understand what the Bible teaches about man, what you teach about our sex, what you teach us about being Christian, what you teach us how to live with other people. And Father, you do that through your holy word. And so, Father, I pray that as we do individual studies, as we do maybe a Bible theme, um, like yesterday, um, or I was listening to um, a talk on just uh, different themes that uh, women have done. Study of your word, your character um, of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we will be very creative. And Father, I pray that if there are some among us who do not know the word well, I pray that they will be very courageous to um, reach out and to ask and to be teachable. Father, that's what we want to be. We are always wanting to be teachable. So, Father, um, thank you for these ladies. Thank you for each one that takes the time to listen. Father, we're grateful for the many people that still want to live right and do right. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, and thanks to all of you that joined us, and we'll look forward to seeing you in August. All Bye. right, thank you. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, 